I'm Mackenzie. And I'm JJ. And this is The Little Death. A podcast about the true final frontier, death. We ask the questions most of us spend our whole lives avoiding. We're not experts on death. We're just a couple of death-obsessed weirdos on the hunt for a more honest conversation and information about death and dying. This week on the podcast, we have our friend Gina. Gina is remarkable. She is, I call her a death guru. She wouldn't call herself that. <laughs> she just is so motivational too. I, it's is. weird to say motivational about death, but she kind of is. She is. She's, she's someone who's personally made me think about death in, in different ways. And she's so gentle. Oh, and she knows so much about it. She and does. she knows all the friends. She's the who no who's she's the who's who of the death community. It's true. <laughs> yeah, she At least in Portland. Yeah, she's remarkable and we had a lovely conversation with her that I can't wait to share with you. And it's not gonna be the last. Yeah. Uh so here's Gina. Gina, we're so excited you're here. <laughs> hi, hi, Gina. Hi, ladies. This is so fun to be here. Oh, good. So, Gina, would you mind um, giving a little introduction about yourself? Just who you I are? I can. Um, I'm Gina Colombato, and I um, got involved in death just noticing that my take on death was very different than a lot of people's. We'd get into this discussion, and I would think, huh, I really think differently than a lot um, with death and dying and for me it wasn't such a bad thing it was just more curious and that started my path even deeper into going huh I really do think differently here so I want to find out why and who knows you know who knows about this that I just don't know um, and I started the radio show I started interviewing lots of people I really loved it and I found that there's a group of us, you two being smack dab in the middle of it, <laughs> that are intrigued with this and that recognize that it's so normal and, and there's not enough conversation around it. And so um, I started going to death cafes and then realized that I wanted to do death cafes. And they started in 2011 by a man, John Underwood, but it's just a no money's exchanged anywhere. Mm. It's um, people volunteering to um, keep the conversation going. Bernie Kratas, I believe, mm -hmm. in um, Switzerland, who was a therapist who found that he had clients that if there was a sudden death or a traumatic death or a diagnosis given and people fell apart around it, that if they had had conversation around death and dying beforehand, if they had talked about it with family or friends, or if it was normal in their family and people talked about it readily, then they were able to find their equilibrium quicker. Mm. So he started having people in his office get together um, with coffee and just having little coffee clutches. And um, it was written up that people were doing so much better in conversation because it mm. became normal became something to not so much fear as to be curious about. So, yeah, he decided to take it and start it. He read about um, Kratas, this is John Underwood, and then he started it in England. There's a woman named Lizzie who still does death cafes. She brought it from England to the U.S. in 2011. I went to my first one at a um, in Midcoast. Oh, so in Midcoast, Maine. In Midcoast, Maine. Okay. Yeah, and I went, I was living there. Uh, the man who was leading it said, okay, so I'm going to hand out pieces of paper and um, 
write down when when you think about death, what are the three words that come to you? And write them down and wait, can we do that right now? Yeah. Okay. I think yeah. that's okay. Okay. All right. okay. okay, I got my okay. three. What are your JJ? All right. Mine are final, goodbye, and unknown. Okay. Mine are challenging, mystery, and spiritual. Yeah, and so there were some people who would say things like Taxes, unfinished business, wow. stress. That's not me. It, it kind of said who was in the room. But there was a young woman who was probably, no, not even 13. She's maybe 11. And she said, very close to yours, she said, the end, compost, <laughs> nobody knows. Wow. You know, just very matter of fact. Oh, compost, and I love something that. Like compost. that. I know, yeah. was that great? And so then the man said, so now, because we were such a great big group, he said, so now go towards the people that you liked what they said, or you identify with what they said. Interesting. So Did it, was anyone on their own? No, no, it was really interesting. And, and some groups were bigger, you know, like the, I wouldn't have gone to taxes and pain and, and yet yeah. that was a big group. There was mm. a suffering group. And, um, and I don't say that with any, you know, malintent, but mm-hmm. it was just that you could really see there were some people that this was heavy. And then I went over to the young girl and her family and ended up that they became friends and her mom uh, and I both talked about, you know, we have no idea what death is. Why do we have such fear about it? And so she started doing death cafes, and I started doing death cafes. Oh. And it was a, for me, it was a good opening to recognize how I thought more people would think like together. But there's really, you know, there's the suffering, and then there's the logic, and then there's the spiritual, and then there's the fearful, and it, you know, it's mm-hmm. yeah. that's um, and no right way, just different. In your experience, do those people, I mean, I think you've seen some people through the journey. Do people ever change their mind about it? Oh, very much. And I think that's what death cafes are. And a death cafe basically is, I should say, what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you come in and it's all strangers. And the important part about death cafes is that you feel safe to to converse. Bring up anything you want. It's not bereavement, so there's no counseling there. Um, I'm not a therapist, so it's just conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's very important about it. Is it's not a therapy. It's not a um, bereavement group. It's really just talking about death and dying. So you walk in, and the things that are important is to know it's a safe place, and uh, there's cake. And that's why I decided I want to do it, because John Underwood said there has to be cake, and I thought, I'm going to have cake. To me, that was just so perfect, because that's what this is about. It's a celebration. And sometimes I'll lead off with something so that it's like he did with the three words. You know, it, it can be very... Uh, so tell me about the first person that you remember, or or your first animal, or how did you first experience death? So that's pretty safe. And so it begins a great conversation. And other times I'll be more abrupt and say, so how do you not want to die? Tell me the worst way to die. You know, may say drowning, and then three people over will say, oh, you know, I I just want to share with you that I drowned when I was four and they had to resuscitate me and it was the most wonderful thing. Hmm. And so you have this weave of people with no one knows, they're just sharing. Right. I, I call it heart work because anyone who comes to a death cafe is coming with their heart wide open. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean their mouth is going to be wide open. They may not say a word, 
But they're there because they've loved someone deeply and they've lost them. The person has passed on, so we say loss. The other reason that someone might be there is there's a, a fear of their own loving life so much they don't want to die. So they have such deep love for life, the idea of dying is just terrifying. Mm -hmm. And it could also be that someone is uh, knowing someone who is in the death process, very, very much open to who's in the room. Mm -hmm. The joys of hearing roaring laughter <laughs> in a death cafe is just something that I can never explain to anyone who hasn't come. There's, you know, because I know they're all around the world, so there's definitely Japanese speaking Japanese, yeah. they're speaking French, they're speaking in, you know, wherever they are. And I just learned from my, uh, my, aunt's cousin, so somehow she's not related to me, but we're related. Um, she's 23, and she said in Germany they don't um, even have anything besides a funeral. Like, you go to the place that they're being buried, ah. and they do oh. something, and she said it's very serious. And How I said, weird. Oh, I didn't know that, because wow, I just... Wow, I didn't either. Uh, I just All of Germany. Therapy. Well, that's very German, so that's obviously... Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not sure, but that's traditional, yeah. Wow. And that surprised me, because I always think of Europe as everybody being a little bit... They've been dying longer than we have. So. <laughs> <laughs> what, what has been the most surprising thing that you've learned, or what is the thing you come away with that reinvigorates your interest in it? Um, I think that it's how often do you spend two hours with strangers being very intimate mm. without touching each other? Especially right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nobody's touching each other mm -hmm. and yet there's such an intimacy. And you don't go away best friends and you're not exchanging addresses but you just belong and you have shared your deepest and your saddest or your happiest or your funniest or it's just, it is so, um, you know, it sounds funny to say this, but it's so enlivening. Mm -hmm. You know, it just brings back <laughs> why I do them, because I want people to recognize that by speaking more about death, you're celebrating being alive. It's and funny you say that. The first death cafe that I went to, at the end, I, uh, it was Gina's death cafe, and at the end, when we all stood up, I was like, okay, do we hug now? <laughs> like, you kind of do want to hug people yeah. at the end. Yeah. And it was kind of weird just to be like, we're all going to leave. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, after being in this very woven, sweet place. Yeah. yeah. Someone who's coming in and having, you know, them, giving them a different view can be, can be startling and hard. Mm -hmm. And so my my wish in doing them is that I just give people different ways to see it. And then, it, you know, I, is it important for them to do it my way or think my way? Absolutely not. I didn't think anyone would show up for Valentine's Day hmm. because I thought it's five to seven on Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what was so great is one of the new people we talked about, who do you wish could be here for Valentine's with you. Hmm. Who's gone? And who bring your Valentine here and tell us about them. And she just talked about this man and she she painted such a glorious picture of him. And it was sensual and it was and she's in her eighties. Intimate and you just felt like you were there with the two of them. It's like grace. Hmm. I just feel like mm -hmm. it's grace that people give me that they show up to just share. Mm -hmm. Has your mind ever been changed in a death cafe? I think 
when you say changed, I think that it's been expanded mm-hmm. a lot, f- bringing up like my own, f- being able to share my own fears mm-hmm. and recognizing how they don't hold much weight. I've actually had someone um, at a death cafe say that she and her friends have written up all of their, you know, their plans for a funeral or if anyone ever gets sick or has a diagnosis, this is what, how they're going to do it. And these people aren't invited. And that they've <laughs> oh all decided that these wow. people aren't allowed. Interesting. Do and all I three of them have the same people? It was, I just, they've all decided as a oh. group. Yeah. That, you know, so I just cracked up. And of course, I'm facilitating, so I'm not right. s- supposed to really. <laughs> but I just you know, without guffawing at her, I just said, you know, here's the funny part, is that that may be the person that needs to be there for you, Mm -hmm. and you don't know that yet. But, you know, here they're deciding and controlling and making it all orderly, and I think what's great about doing that is it feels good, is then you have, and then remember to let go. Mm -hmm. And so I say that all that, all the time. Love deeply and let go. Because if you love yourself and you have this, like, I love my family, I love, I want to make everything easy for them. If I got some horrific disease, I want to be somewhat in order for them so Mm -hmm. they don't have to have all this weight. And then let go because who knows what they're going to do. And Mm -hmm. that's not my job to control that. Mm-hmm. And you won't be able to. And you won't be able to. But that's the other funny part is in one of the death cafes, a man, um, he said, we're all talking about getting things in order. And he said, but you know what? My mom wrote down everything. I mean, she told us what she wanted. She did the will, and then she did her, how she wanted her uh, remains, where she wanted them, and how she wanted to have a party. And the three siblings, we didn't do any of it. And everyone in the room just... Hushed. I mean, there was a hush that fell over the whole place, and they all just looked at him. I think people were not looking at him so that they couldn't believe he had said that. I would make that noise that I just made in that room, unfortunately. (laughs) And when you say what has changed, it's like my... I've opened up to, who knows? Who yeah. knows, you know? Mm-hmm. And people say, oh, I have my DNR in my kitchen on the refrigerator. I have it above my bed. I have it here. I have it there. And I go, and you go down in Walmart, and the... EMFs that walk in or the ambulance that comes is going to do a do a resuscitate. They're not going to be looking for your DNR. Nope. Yeah. They're going to be trying to revive you. And well, what if I tattoo it all over my body? Yeah, that was my question. <laughs> you know, from what I understand, some states that's okay, and others say you may have done that when you were 18 and now you don't believe it. So, how oh, did they wow. know? It's fascinating because. Yeah. We, as humans, want to control. We want to say, well, I'm going to do it this way. And, you know, if they don't, if what they need, they're the ones who are still alive. That's my yeah. feeling. And, and that's why I say, that makes you know, sense. Yeah. the people that show up at the hospital at your bedside, your friends may go, oh, my God, she shouldn't be here. You know, JJ hated her. But she may walk in and do the healing that JJ needed. You know, your kids, in my family, we were completely taken aback at how much we fought. We all mm. get along. Yeah. But, boy, the death of our mom just undid every sane synapse. I mean, we were a mess. And it was a sudden death, and it was unexpected. And we weren't very graceful at all. And then I have a friend who's just adorable. She's in her 80s. She's in New York. 
And she's literally, you go into her house, like, okay, we're in your kitchen. So that basket would have a tag on it to who it goes to. <laughs> Seriously. That box would have a tag on what to do with it. The you know, Every piece of art has a tag on it. It is absolutely adorable. Yeah. And I only say that because it's part of that letting go of death. Mm-hmm. Part of it is that you don't get to control. And if you do get to be old and and your body starts breaking down, or maybe it doesn't, and maybe you're not old and your body starts breaking down, but there's a certain grace that if we all invite ourselves to, that says, you know what, that's what bodies are supposed to do. They're not supposed to last forever. So can we, instead of holding tight to how everything should be, start recognizing it'll be whatever it's gonna be. And if it makes me feel good to get all my paperwork in order and mark everything in my house, then by all means do it. And then let go of, you know, maybe Sarah doesn't want that piece of art. Yeah. You're talking about how you should just let it go and stuff, but really to me that see I'm sitting here being like, Yeah, I agree with you, G. I agree with you. That's like hard. we should just let it go. But man, the only thing I really care about is James making that coffin. Yeah. And, and isn't that funny? <laughs> and, I, and and what's so interesting is that he may be and again, we're just it's all conjectured. Who knows? Yeah. Right? But the funny part is that that may be the worst thing in the world for him for therapy at oh, that point. I he know. may be such a wreck that he cannot even think of it. Or he may love you so much that the idea of not doing it perfect yeah. just brings him to such a wreck, because he's already a wreck, yeah. mm-hmm. that then he feels guilty because he can't freaking make your You're coffin. so right. Okay, a solution. But we put those, but we put those funny things on thinking. Yeah. But but this is good because then he knows, right? And it's like, well, he knows, but nobody knows how he's going to be feeling over there. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you guys are eighty-seven, he may not be able to do that. Oh, gosh, you know, so I many know. good points. I'm glad I talked about this. <laughs> what if I have him make the coffin now? If it feels comfortable that would be really fun and you can make your own mm-hmm. now yeah. for me I know a friend who made hers and I kind of move around too much and the idea of having a coffin for the next I don't know if it's three years two months or 15 or yeah. five you know true at my mom's funeral my mom loved Easter and it wasn't around Easter it was in February but um, we gave out Easter eggs at the funeral and had put prizes in them because the golden egg was always a huge deal at our at our house. And mom would like gift, like you'd get $50, something nice. outrageous. I mean, so outrageous because like who has $50? How many eggs did she hide? Oh, she, my um, daughter in love still has them. There's like, I want to say like 300 eggs. Oh, wow. Like, so we just at her funeral handed everyone an egg and said don't open it until at the end please don't open it and so everyone was sitting and you know we were doing the whole funeral oh, and everyone had their eggs it was so adorable and then um after we did the whole celebration we said you know and now um, you can open your eggs and and please if you have the golden egg let us know and so one of them said you have the golden egg you won and um and it was so much fun because the person was just like so excited. And everyone's like, what did you get? What did you get? <laughs> Some of them were like little tchotchkes or, or like my mom's a piece of jewelry that, you know, none of uh, us loved. I but love that. Was just, that. Like it's a precious piece. And yeah, yeah, but none of us are attached to it. Or 
you know, somebody else had just, um, you know, some quarters and somebody else would have just jelly beans and somebody, I mean, we just had the best time filling these eggs for a hundred people. And talking about all the Easter's you had. Yes. Oh, that's so And so to me that, that it was, we really enjoyed the whole celebration Mm -hmm. and, um, I think that's what I want from my kids is like, how can it be fun to you? Mm-hmm. And I'd love to say, uh, you know, don't make a big deal out of it. But if they need to make a big deal out of it, make a big deal out of it, <laughs> you know? And I, the hardest part is, um, I also was, the first one I did was at the, it's like the Sale Museum, the something something Sale Museum down in Rockport, Rockland. Oh. And, uh, and when I asked him, he said, what are you going to do? And I said, just gather people together to talk about death. And he said, why would anyone want to talk about death? And I said, and he's an older man. And I said, um, just to have conversation and learn something and bring out your fears or I don't know. I, w- would you be willing to try? And he goes, yeah, but I don't think anyone's going to show up. <laughs> And, you know, the first night there were 26 people there. Wow. It's so cute because he sat in the back and at the end he goes, I would have never guessed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, I think people are curious because why would you do that? Mm. Um, I also think that there is enough of, especially now, I mean, four years ago there wasn't nearly the media there is now. Mm -hmm. I mean, the media now is just blasting with death and dying and and unfortunately some of it being very tragic so when I do bring it up it's curious however I you know to bring up at that I do death cafes at a party where there I don't know people I have had people literally walk away like oh really really like (laughs) like yikers So that's interesting and then I've also had people say oh death cafes huh and then like, that's the end Not of that conversation. Yeah. But another death cafe, cafe question. I want to get the ones that I thought about. One, mm-hmm. have you ever had people um, come, or do they come often, people who are in the stages of dying? Um, I've had people who, yeah, who are, have diagnosis mm-hmm. and um, have come with the curiosity mainly about you know what what might I learn or what else might be in here I've had a very darling woman when I first started doing them with um, my friend I went to at her house um, Sylvia who's just a character and there was a woman there who um, said you know I just keep wondering why I'm still here why you know I my body just keeps holding on. I don't know why. And and across the room, a woman said, oh, my mom wakes up every day and wonders why she's not dead. And, <laughs> and it was just so cute. But it is, I think, for everyone is that um, if, you know, we, again, if, if death were perhaps more of an easy conversation, or as it becomes easier, maybe, um, then it can be even for someone who may have a diagnosis and isn't telling anyone mm-hmm. because they don't want to make people uncomfortable. And instead, mm-hmm. there's that perfect deep love time that you are given to say, what do you want to still do? How can I help facilitate that? Or yeah. life and death were really woven. And um, as people, 
the preciousness to recognize that. What would you do in three hours? You know, I've thought of that because, again, I have family in different directions. So I think that I would immediately get on Skype and I would mm-hmm. just be seeing face-to-face because there's such a, such a wanting to touch or hug or... Mm-hmm. And since you couldn't do that to some of the people that I loved, I think I would, you know, or FaceTime or something to just say, just talk to me, just hang with me because I'm going to be leaving. And and what, you know, and and I think talk more about their dreams. Hmm. You know, I would want to know. So tell me, what are you going to do when I leave? You know, what are you going to be doing? Or, Or tell me your biggest wish. And then if I can do anything, I'll help you know, from the other side, or yeah. just just to have that um, affirmation that we don't know, and yet we are always still all together. I love the idea of telling, tell me what what you want to do, so if I yes. can help you later, I can. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's very sweet. Like, you want to go come back and haunt JJ is really excited to haunt people? <laughs> yeah. But like, if I could also be like, do you want me to do your laundry, ghost laundry? Yeah. Sure. Ghost laundry? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I might be bored, yeah. you know? <laughs> and there's something very sweet about that. And I've heard some amazing stories in the death cafes. Oh, I Just bet. amazing stories. That's when I walked into Gina's death cafe, they were talking about visits from the other side or just like feeling the energies of people being in the room and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I was like, this is where I need to be. <laughs> Here I am. These are my people. <laughs> That's what I would want to say to my kids and my grands is, you know, where will we meet? I'll meet you there, you know, or let me just tell you, you know, when you see a, and what do you want me to be? And then I'll be that, you know, if you want me to be a butterfly, I'll be the butterfly. Do you want me to come back as a frog? I can come back as a frog, you know, (laughs) so if I can, I'll do that. Yeah. And and why not at least dream it up? So why not? Why wouldn't we be able to just do all these right. crazy things? Because it's all in this moment. Nobody's really gone and nobody's really here or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> One thing you were saying that is really important to me about the Death Cafe is it's not for people who are grieving. Mm-mm. It's for people before that stage or after that stage. Mm-hmm. But... It's not a place to grieve, and it's so. I think that's so important for people to know. Yes. If you could have anyone listen to this, and and they would listen to it and shift their thinking, who do you know that you would want them to really like? And not. It doesn't have to be a personal friend, but like I would really like this person. <laughs> okay. And and the reason why is because if you could just like transfer all that ease with death to someone who would you transfer it to the person i'd want to give that ease to Mm -hmm. would be um when my when my grandmother nayed we called her nay when my nay died noreen o'connor gina that's her name thank you (laughs) yeah noreen o'connor when she died my two uncles had and still do have a very hard time with it they had the hardest time letting go which i thought was so interesting and i think it's because to them, it was like a puzzle piece that keeps the family mm-hmm. really tight. And um, and they are still so hurt and distraught by that that grief. So I hope that yeah. they come to terms with it in the ease. I would say I don't have a specific person in that way, but you hear often people, especially now in our moment, say things like, 
I'm afraid to go to that event because there would be mm, a lot of people yes. there. I'm afraid to go to that <laughs> concert. Um, I'm afraid to travel to this place yes. because there's been an attack there. I would I would like people who feel that very intensely to to hear this and maybe be able to let go of some of that fear because you you're never right. safe. Yes, or you're always safe. Uh, exactly. You know? it's, yes. just, it's all it's like this is yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You know. And don't let don't let the fear of that, especially dying in a horrific way, stop you, stop you yeah. if you really want to do that thing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Live your life that way. Yeah. yeah. So this there is, is one. Great. Do you want to say the one question that we ask? Sure. Our question that we ask everyone who comes on is one word. Yes. What's yes. the one word? What's the one the word? One word. Yes. Um. Okay. What would my one word be? You know, I would hope that I could just, like, know that it was just magic. Like, mm. just magic. Mm-hmm. Because cause you just know something else. That, I mean, I don't say this to everyone, but I guess I am saying it. But I just do believe that there's, there's so much more. Mm. And that we have a limited capacity to know that. So it's kind of like, ooh, magic, I get to figure this out now. <laughs> I love that, yeah. yeah magic. That's just magic. magic. I hope there's magic too. We want to thank Gina for being with us. She's amazing. That was so great. Yeah, she's just so, she's a font of knowledge. She's so wise and so playful and wonderful. Thank you so much, Gina, for being on the podcast. If you want to learn more about the Death Cafe, oh, yeah, yeah. you can go to deathcafe.com and find a Death Cafe near you because they're all over the world, as Gina said. And if you're interested in the Portland, Maine Death Cafe, which we know we have some listeners from Portland. Hello. Uh, hey, y'all. You can go to the library's website and find the Death Cafe information. So the Portland Public Library, and it's the second Wednesday of every month. We'll see you next week. Bye. Oh.